Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. The biggest games of the football season are coming and Bet Rivers is introducing new parlay features just in time for the playoff push. For your next bet, go ahead and try new multi-game parlay and combine bets across games to make your perfect combination. Plus, you can combine player props, game bets, and even different same-game parlays into one multi-game parlay. Make your parlay today at BetRivers. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com to place all of your bets. This is the Chicago CityCast with Danny Burke, presented by BetRivers. Wow, how about it, guys? The Bears winning back-to-back games at this point in the season. Who would have thunk it? I don't know. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. We'll dissect the game on this episode of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. As always, welcome in. I'm Danny Burke, your host. Feel free to follow me on the tweets at Danny Burke Five. You can get in touch with all my plays, my links to my other show, Rush Hour, which airs on Vsin Monday through Friday, five to six p.m. Central Time. You can get that on the Marquee Sports Network. Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, iHeartRadio, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, VEASAN.com and the VEASAN app, if I didn't say it already. And if you're stopping by the Rivers Casino in Des Plaines, we do that show live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook, so be sure to say what's up. All right, you're going to have to hang with me a little bit. My voice is a little bit hoarse. You know, we're celebrating New Year's this weekend. I'm screaming at the Bears, attacking Mike Glennon, actually being successful somewhat on both sides of the ball. Defensively, of course, offensively, Andy Dalton did some Andy Dalton things. So we'll get to that in a second. But as for the show, even more so than recapping this Bears game, what we will do is talk about the marvelous DeRozan. Are you kidding me? What this guy has done has been absolutely absurd. We'll talk about the realistic probability, I suppose, of him winning MVP, what the Bulls can do for the rest of the season, and a preview of their game tonight against the Orlando Magic. We have a look ahead to the Vikings matchup for the Bears as well. I think what I'm going to do is say, bear with me and where's the beef for the next episode, spread it out a little bit. There's not too much in terms of where's the beef, but I'm sure we'll be able to find something in the next coming days, next couple of coming days. So uh, let's get it kicked off just recapping this Bears game against the Giants. First of all, and it's easy to say this in hindsight, but truthfully, was there anybody out there who backed the Giants? Did anybody take the... I, of course, there's people who did, but anybody that you personally know who said, you know what, I don't know, I think the Giants can keep this thing close. Give me the six, give me the six and a half, give me the money line. If you have someone who did that, 
You need to send them to therapy. How do you bet on Mike Lennon? This dude was atrocious. Like the worst quarterback performance I think I have personally ever seen. There wasn't a lick of confidence anytime he had the ball in his hand, step back to throw it. Like truthfully, I had absolutely no sweat in the entire world. That was the most sweat-free bet I think I have had in 2021. Or 2022, not technically. See, I'm adjusting. We're all adjusting. In this past year, that might have been the easiest bet I've ever made. In terms of, well, I teased them down in that leg of the teaser. Then I was sweating out the Packers leg, which pretty sweat-free in the sense that we got them at a pick Then the line went up to 12. Very fortunate to kick things off in 2022 with our betting. So we're happy. We are grateful. We are fortunate. And we are pumped to see what the Bears can do in their final game of the season. But we'll get to that again in a second. Bears getting the job done 29 to 3. Some takeaways from this game. Again, like, how is how are how is Mike Lennon your best option? There are so many better quarterbacks. I this dude has swindled the entire National Football League. Like, we make fun of Chase Daniel for making an obscene amount of money as a backup. But after watching Mike Glennon play, you go, what you know what, Chase Daniel? You are a solid commodity and you deserve that. Mike Lennon has absolutely robbed so many teams. And the fact that Ryan Pace paid this dude a large sum of money speaks volumes to what this dude has done to the Bears organization. Granted, yes, there have been some great moves here and there. All in all, bad. We understand this. What's going to happen? We still don't know. We know Nagy's going to be gone. His pace going to be gone. That's the big step next. Is Ted Phillips going to be gone? Also another big what if. So I just can't fathom how bad he was. It's incredible, right? And this is coming from us Bears fans who have only seen bad quarterback play, or at least not great quarterback play. There's been okay quarterbacks. There's been some good play here and there. But Mike Lennon, I genuinely think if you pulled out like, I, if you put like, I don't, I'm trying to compare somewhere. I mean, Ian Book was terrible with the Saints, but he was at least, he had more confidence of him than Glennon. Like, Glennon just looks like a guy who doesn't have a lick of athleticism in his body. I just can't believe that he's in the NFL. I, is Jake Fromm that much worse? I don't know. The Giants are a complete mess. And Joe Judge and his comments, oh my goodness. You guys think the Bears are in a bad spot right now? Bad shape, whatever you want to call it. The Giants are 20 feet deeper. At least. So be thankful in that regard. So aside from Mike Glennon being terrible, I mean, first play of the game, it's just comical. You can't script that. But maybe you could with Mike Glennon because that just makes sense. Uh, how about Robert Quinn? Big ups to Robert Quinn. You know, the Bears bring him on. First year really, I don't want to say upsetting, but just did not live up to the hype whatsoever. Was not producing. This year he's absolutely a menace. With the 18 sacks this year, he sets the single season franchise record, breaking Richard Dent 17 and a half in 1984. I think Dent only did it in what, like 10 games or something? I could be wrong on that number. But still, great to see that for Robert Quinn. Much deserved. The dude's been playing his butt off and he's been having a hell of a year. So love to see that from Robert Quinn. Big ups to the linebacker who's been having a great season. 
um really quick also just because i have this written down in order and i'm an idiot and don't have it organized whatsoever so back to mike lennon i was just writing down some of his i mean four of 11 the team had minus 10 with their passing yards how the hell do you do that good question he had two interceptions took four sacks four fumbles and lost two of them wow so bad and Dalton wasn't great either on his side, let's be honest. I mean, Dalton did enough to get the job done, certainly. But he had a lot of sketchy throws. He only had the one pick, but there were probably two or three others that should have been intercepted. If you're playing virtually any other team, then you are getting, then you are having a lot worse performance offensively. Because of how bad this Giants team is, Dalton got away with at least two other interceptions under his belt. For sure. And that's where, again, it would have been great to see Justin Fields get a solid win in that game. Heck, you should have kept Nick Foles just for the entertainment value. But whatever. Dalton got the job done. You can't really nitpick. They still go with the Wildcat, of course. But instead, they have Montgomery throwing passes out there and then an interception. The play was open. You got to applaud Nagy just saying F it and going for it. I mean, why not? Why the hell not? Have fun. Let you guys have fun in a game like that. Who's ever poo-pooing it? Get out of here. It's kind of fun. Monty just didn't throw a good ball. It is what it is. Speaking of Montgomery, when we were previewing, or I guess predicting what we thought he could do in this game, I was thinking, I was like, all right, if his rushing attempts is like 19 and a half, he's for sure getting 20. I didn't see that bet ever get posted. And then I said, if the rushing prop was like 74 and a half, 76 and a half would still take the over. He didn't get there though. He only got 64. So the attempts were coming frequently. He just wasn't getting as big a yardage uh, as he typically does. I didn't end up playing it. Uh, hopefully, you stayed away from it. But if you didn't, look, I, I still think that's the right bet to make in that situation. Another bet we did discuss, so was Mooney with his receptions. Seven receptions for Darnell Mooney. 69 receiving yards and one touchdown. I was almost going to tweet it out in just kind of a sarcastic, salty way. Because I've been sick and tired of hearing all this Darnell Mooney slander. Yes, there has been games where he has dropped a few passes here and there. But for some reason, everybody freaks out and goes, oh, he's not a true number one. He's not a true number one. When has anyone made the argument that he is going to be the Bears' top number one guy consistently? Can he be a wide receiver one on this Bears team? Sure, I think so. Do I want that to happen? I'd want them to get another couple receivers to help out, and preferably a guy who's already an established one or can easily be one. Michael Gallup is the name that's getting tossed around. But you know what? Unfortunately, the guy just tore his ACL yesterday. Still think he could be great for sure, but I just don't know why so many people were quick to say, oh, no, Mooney can't be the guy. He's a top wide receiver two at best. Like, get the hell out of here. What's it, his second, third year at this point? And he's playing with crap quarterback, crap offense, and he's making phenomenal plays? Against the Seahawks, yards after catching what he's done should have been enough to say, you know what, this guy has a lot of potential. And then you saw what he did against the Giants, albeit the Giants, but still had a great game. And that diving play where he almost caught it, that would have been the nail in the cover. I would have been like, all right, you know what, screw everyone out there who's giving crap to Darnell Mooney. The kid is going off. Great catch in the end zone. Great catches all around. The dude is putting his body on the line on virtually every play. And he is a tough guy. And he is a very skilled receiver. I just don't understand because there's... And it's not like I'm going to call it anyone in, in particular, but when you're following Bears Twitter a lot and all these tweets pop up, there's just like a couple guys here there who just love to nitpick Mooney for whatever reason. It, it makes no sense to me. I, I just don't get why that's happening. 
do you have some infinite love for Allen Robinson and you're salty that he's just not that good with the Bears and doesn't care to be there? I don't get it. I don't know. But Mooney is legit. You got to give the credit where credit is due. And Mooney has earned that, especially over the span of the last two games. Again, I'm not preaching for him to be the sole number one guy in terms of receiving for the Bears, but I think he has a capability of being a hell of a receiver for this team. And unless you get another top guy, he can fill that void right now. Lack of receivers really isn't the weapon, or excuse me, lack of receivers isn't really the issue in terms of the Bears. That's not, the, that's not the problem right now. The problem is the coaching staff. The problem is the offensive line. The problem is Justin Fields not feeling comfortable in the pocket and having to do things he would typically not do otherwise. If he gets time to get it to the receivers, that will be okay. I have belief that that will work out. Yes, again, there have been situations where the receivers have screwed the pooch. And they have faltered. And that has killed some momentum and plays in this season. But realistically, it goes far deeper than that. And we all know that. So don't try to pin it on a guy like Mooney dropping a pass here or there. Stop giving Cole Komet slander when he's one of our best blockers out there. And when he gets used, he does it fairly well. These are incredibly young guys who are displaying the potential talent that they have. You can't get frustrated at them when they have been put in this disastrous squad in terms of the coaching staff and, again, an offensive line that just isn't there. You can't nitpick guys like that. That would be like blaming Montgomery, which you can't do. He has been great. Khalil Herbert's been great. Darnell Mooney's been great. Cole Komet, when he's had the chance, has been really good. But a lot of times they got to pick up the slack and they got to hold the burden, including Justin Fields, because of the lack of success in other areas. Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor, the offensive line. That is true. And I'm not saying these guys are superstars or even going to be. But they have good enough talent for the Bears to be a solid team. And what you're seeing out of them these past few games should give you hope for next year because you see brighter days there with, okay, if you can reestablish the front office and the coach, you're going to be feeling great. Front office, we're a little 50-50 on head coach. We for sure know Matt Nagy's out. They make the right hire. If they get the right pieces and stay healthy with the offensive line, I still believe they have enough talent offensively to be good enough, right? A-Rob, you're gone. Okay, that's fine. Hasn't made an impact anyways. Darnell Mooney's doing fine. Tight end position, you are more than solid there. Running back position, you are more than solid there. Quarterback position, I have complete faith in Justin Fields. Offensive line, that's where you need to address. Defense, your secondary needs some help, plain and simple. Are you going to trade some pieces to help rebuild there with the offensive line? Or are you going to stay pretty stagnant? So the secondary, the coaching, and the offensive line are the things that still should give everybody a lot of concern with this Bears team. But everybody else, in my opinion, is on the right trajectory to showing that this team, by next year, and I'm you're going to think I'm sipping the Kool-Aid, but you know if you've been listening, I give the Bears probably more crap than most people who cover the team. They have a chance to be on that fringe playoff team. They can be a team like the Philadelphia Eagles are this year. Expectations probably low. Some games very frustrating to, uh, to watch. Make it way harder on themselves than they need to. But they found a way to win with a new coach and a mobile quarterback and some offensive talent. 
that is what the Bears can be next year, like the Philadelphia Eagles are this year. As of this point, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Another guy who went off, who I got to give credit to, who we've definitely given a lot of crap to this season, and a lot of people have, Eddie Jackson had a great game. Eight total tackles, one tackle for loss, and he got robbed on that play in the Giants' end zone where he stripped the ball and made the tackle, and they called forward progress. I felt bad for the guy. That was a hell of a play. That was awesome. He deserved that. But the dude's fighting out there every day. I'll give it to him. No, he has not been the same Eddie Jackson as in years past. But maybe it's just because we set the bar incredibly high for a guy who did such great things that statistically was damn near impossible to replicate. As for the whole defense. And that's inevitable when that happens that the expectations are going to be similar. But the regression, it's again inevitable in that sense. But the defense has stepped up. Eddie Jackson's been playing better. And you need him out there. He's been doing well. I'm happy for him. And I hope he keeps it up. Had a hell of a game. Good for Eddie Jackson. And he's really a big teammate out there. You kind of see him on the sidelines and sticking up for his other guys. He's, he's a joy to watch when he's really on one. Good for Eddie Jackson. So that's really my whole recap against the, or for the Bears against the Giants. Again, you know, we cashed, teasing them down 29 to 3. I can joke about betting on the Giants at the end of the day. I didn't have enough faith in the Bears to lay the points, so I can't, you know, fully make fun of it. But this game, if there is any doubt of how much you could trust the Giants or not, like this game just solidified everything. So bad. And it's all perspective, because again, if you're a Bears fan right now, because of the reasons I just listed and saying that they could be like the Eagles this year, think of where the Giants are right now. Absolutely no clue what to do with the quarterback situation. I feel like as a fan, you have no idea if you're in on Joe Judge or not. You're probably not, even though he's saying that. People are calling him around the team last year saying they want to work with him. What? Who says that? And everybody's making fun of him on Twitter. I think Warren Sharp said he's like, yeah, both of my ex-girlfriends are calling me, telling me how much they missed me and how great I was. Like, that's pretty much what it is. I Maybe they are. Who knows? Good for Saquon, though, having a good game. 21 carries, 102 yards. You like to see Saquon do well. But my goodness, this Giants team is a mess. Just a absolute. I would rather be a Jags or Texans fan than I would a Giants fan and a Jets fan. Absolutely. I like Robert Sala better. I like the players better on the Jags. I like the players better on the Texans. I don't like anything about the Giants except for Saquon Barkley and the receivers. But even still, they're not getting the opportunity. So what the hell does it matter? The Giants are in a terrible position. Sorry, Will Hill. You're going to have to be covering them in the Jets for the New York City Cats. Our poor guy catching all the flack over there on the East Coast. But no, it's all love for Will. He did a great job previewing this game too because he's like, nope, no shot. I'm back in the Giants here. Never, especially in this game. Bears come through 29-3. Great game. Was fun to watch. Got a nice little couple wins under their belt. Heading into the end of the season. Let's talk about the look-ahead line against the Vikings. So, at this point in the year, these books put out the early openers. So, for example, the earliest line at the Westgate in Las Vegas. They always put them up immediately. December 29th, they had Minnesota as a six-point favorite against the Bears. Total at 45. After Sunday, they reopen it, and the Bears opened up catching three and a half points at Minnesota, total at 44 and a half. A couple things here. 
it really depended on the availability of Justin Fields. And honestly, when I saw three and a half at Bet Rivers, because now it's down to two and a half, I was like, oh, I think Fields is going to play. I kind of want to take it. Not quick enough. Got distracted. Now the line's at two and a half. Even money if you want to take it with the Bears. Minus 121 if you want to lay it with Minnesota. Because it looks like if all goes according to plan, Justin Fields is going to start this game. And I certainly have bounced back and forth on my thoughts on when and how often and what situation you should play Justin Fields. But the more we have progressed throughout this season, and I talked about it last week, I think he does need that win or a quality start to help his confidence and momentum slinging into next season. Could have happened against the Seahawks, it didn't. Definitely would have happened against the Giants, it didn't. Could happen against the Vikings team that is in absolute shambles right now. So I want to see him play. And at two and a half, great teaser spot for the Bears. Home or road dog, excuse me, catching two and a half. Tease him up by six. Get the Bears at plus eight and a half. I'm waiting to see what team I want to pair him with. But that should be a top teaser consideration for you. Money line plus 133. Don't hate it. Would do that before lane minus 162 with the Vikings. Totals at 44 and a half shaded to the under. Probably bet under, but eh, I don't know. Nothing too solidified in terms of the total right now. The Vikings are not making the playoffs. And Zimmer is a complete mess. You heard him talking about Kellen Mond getting reps. And you're like, do you want to see him next week? He's like, not particularly. And there's a long pause. And they go, why? He's like, because I see him every day. What? What head coach says that? This dude is a mess. Their organization's a mess right now. And it continues to be the most infuriating one in the NFL. Yes, more so than the Giants because the Vikings have all the talent. They can just never put it together. I need Kirk Cousins to play, though. My dude needs 130 passing yards to get over his season long of 4,100 and a half. So he just needs a buck 30 more for me. I remember I was talking to a Vikings reporter before the season on Rush Hour. He's like, well, you got to be careful because he's not vaccinated. And literally the week before, I was like, you know what? He's made it this far. Feeling pretty good. And then he misses the game against the Packers. And who the hell knows if they're even going to play him against the Bears. I think they will. I hope they will. Based on Zimmer's comments, you should assume that he will. But this game, honestly, means more to the Bears. You can cap off your season on a winning streak. Say what you want about Nagy, what the locker room feels about him. There's way more positivity around there with a team that knew they were going to be eliminated and still has been rallying around and winning versus a team that just got eliminated with a coach who is ticked off. And I don't know what the players think about him. It can't be good, especially after that comment. So for the Bears to just, after they got screwed by the refs and primetime at home against the Vikings when Nagy was losing it on the field, the Bears with Fields as their quarterback, can end this season with a lot of guys and could be a completely different outlook of the team. They want to end it on a high note. And I think this game, honestly, could mean a little bit more to them than the Vikings. Seriously. And that's why you saw with Fields as quarterback too. I mean, yeah, that's just because Fields is quarterback. Him versus Dalton is certainly a point difference at least. Moved to two and a half. And I honestly think, I mean, we'll see about Kirk Cousins that this thing could get down to like two or one and a half. Maybe not because you still think the Vikings have all the talent in the world. But what's the motivation factor out of both teams here? I think it's a little bit more for the Bears. I truly do. But again, we don't have to have all the confidence in the world in them. So why not maybe add a little bit of cushion, tease them up to plus eight and a half. 
I think that's a beautiful way to approach it. This Vikings team is a mess. Every game, except for the Packers game, because Kirk Cousins wasn't playing, virtually comes down to one score. So even if the Bears lose, you got to think it could be within one touchdown. They lost by eight to the Vikings because they didn't get to kick the extra point at the end, but technically still one possession game, one score game, because you could go for two after the touchdown. That three and a half would have been nice to get a piece of, but I'll gladly tease him up and wait to find a dance and partner with him, as Dave Ross likes to say. Because I think the Bears teasing him up, they have some reason to play in this game, and I think it'll be a fun one. Two weeks ago before the Seahawks game, asked me if I was looking forward to this game. I was probably like, let's just get out of this season and keep Fields healthy. Now I'm like, let, let the kids sling it. You've been holding them back so much this year. Now you have nothing to lose. Showcase what he's got. Nagy, showcase what you got in the playbook to help save your career for another team or something and go out on a good note with your guys. You're a great guy, Matt Nagy. You always have been. You're just not a great head coach for the Chicago Bears. But it would be nice to send you off on a high note. And everything that's happened, I'm sure the players would like to do that for you too. So we'll keep an eye on this line. We'll see if there's another team that presents a good opportunity. But keep that in the back of your mind as of now. At least I am to teasing up the Bears the plus eight and a half and looking to pair that with another team for the final week of the regular season. All right, that's going to wrap it up for our Bears talk. Coming up next, let's go into the Bulls who have been on an incredible run here. DeMar DeRozan is just on another freaking planet right now. What are his MVP odds? What are the Bears title? Bears. What are the Bulls title odds? What is a bet that you can look forward to potentially cashing in on tonight against the Magic? Hitting that next. Stick around. It is the Chicago CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. Alrighty, it is time for some Bulls talk here on the Chicago CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. Wow, how about a happy Monday? Seldom do we get that as Chicago sports fans, but uh, hopefully you can see the difference or hear the difference in my voice a little bit. And a big part of that is the success of the Chicago Bulls team. The winning streak continues. What is it, seven games now? Yeah, seven-game winning streak and in an incredible fashion. When I was getting to the Bet Rivers Sportsbook on Friday... To do my show Rush Hour, that is when they were playing the Pacers. And it was, of course, a weird time slot because of New Year's Eve. And I'm watching this game and I'm going, you know, this is a classic Bulls game. You know, they have some blunders at the end of like so many of these close games, but still find a way to put themselves in a position to win. And that's exactly what they did. So I had some confidence. I'm, you know, peering over from my little boot to the big TV and the crowd is packed because it's New Year's Eve and everybody's betting the Bulls or sweating out every single dribble. And... Ayo DeSumo playing great defense. Also, about Ayo really quick. First of all, the kid's been great. Second of all, the dude looks like a veteran out there. He's holding back Levine from yelling at the refs in that game. He's holding back the Rosen on that bad call when it went off the Pacers guy's knee. Like, Ayo's an absolute key piece for this team and a steal in the draft in the second. I mean, are you kidding me? I can't believe other people didn't see that. 
that was one of those where it was like a pipe dream as a Bulls fan to get him there, watching him play for the Illini, knowing that he has that Chicago toughness and the capability of being a decent player in this league. He's been fantastic for sure. Regardless, going further in this game, and then DeRozan, you know, he's pissed off from that play that they didn't get the call that way. So you knew when he had the ball, he was keeping it for the last shot. Levine's kind of like waiting, like, dude, like, you thought that'd be a weird dynamic, and maybe it still is for them, but... DeRozan clearly had no clue how much time was left on the clock. Absolutely none. Levine's like, what are you doing? Everyone's like, shoot it. And he saw Lonzo, Ball, uh, Ball, Lonzo Ball's Instagram story. And if you didn't, basically, he's like, watch. He's like, you didn't know how much time was left, dude. What are you talking about? Just cracking up. Because he didn't. And that's why he did the awkward shot off the knee. But by all things, I don't know how it went in. Incredible shot. Amazing. The sports book just absolutely erupted. I'm going nuts, and I didn't even bet the game. But, of course, I'm a diehard Bulls fan, so I'm going crazy. That was incredible. Insane. Amazing. And then it's New Year's Day, and you're watching them play the Wizards, and you're looking at this game like, yeah, you know what? That was awesome what happened with the Rose and Wizards have actually been decent. The Bulls win would be great, but I'm not expecting too much, maybe. And they... <laughs> And somehow the dude gets the ball in his hands again and makes an even tougher shot. Damn near impossible. In the corner, almost could have been five seconds. Kobe White, Kobe White passes it to him. Pump fake. And then a hand is literally right in his face. Like right here. Sinks it. A harder shot by far. Nails it. Are you kidding me? I was out to dinner and didn't even see it. Like I was scrolling Twitter to keep an update. And then my friend texted me in the group chat. And we're just like said the same thing that definitely consisted of some profanity. And I'm like, no, what you're joking, right? Oh, maybe he made like a shot and there was like 10 seconds. Nope. Game winner again. And everyone I'm with, we stopped. We're doing like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Show me the play. Like that was insane. What this dude is doing. Incredible. First time in NBA history, back-to-back -back nights hitting game winners. Larry Bird did it in consecutive games, but not nights. Where's the MVP love? Where's the respect? Right now, he is still at 40 to 1. The dude is averaging over 30 points per game. Yeah, I get it. You still got Steph, plus 110. Kevin Durant, plus 250. Jokic, 9-1. to Giannis, 9-1. to Then you get LeBron and DeRozan at 40-1. to Embiid, 50-1. to Luka, 50-1. to Levine is 80-1. to He's getting more love on Twitter now from other players and actually national attention. This is what is going to boost his profile in terms of the MVP candidacy. I'm not saying he's going to win it or necessarily deserves to over some of these other guys. But if you're someone who likes to bet based on value and can maybe cash out, sell your ticket, whatever, now is the time to bet DeRozan at 40 to 1. It's way too high. It should be like 15 to 1, maybe 20 to 1 at the highest. Based on value, worth the play. It doesn't have to be a full unit. It could be some lunch money, whatever. But that number is going to move down, you got to think. Depending on the liability they got on Durant and Curry, but at Bet Rivers, DeRozan's at 40 to 1. Not saying he deserves it over him, but solely based on that price, very much worth consideration. If, if the Bulls get into the number one seed, you're winning a lot of things here. You are winning, well, okay, I, not a lot of things, but you are in contention for it. MVP DeRozan, Coach of the Year, Billy Donovan. Eastern Conference Finals, the Bulls are now 10 to 1. Heat are ahead of them at 6 to 1 bucks, 3 to 1 Nets plus 130. 
No, they're not the top team in the East, even though the record may indicate otherwise. They are still another big man away, a Jeremy Grant away, a Marvin Bagley away, some other guy who can bang down low and score aside from Tony Bradley. Vooch can't do everything always. And even at that, he's not the best defensive guy, okay? You're going to have to part with someone that might be a little bit painful, but this season, you have the chance to make some noise for sure. To win the Easter Conference, no doubt. To win the whole thing, it seems insane, but yes. With injuries, with co I, anything, who knows what could happen. You are a big man piece away from being legit contenders. Not that they weren't before, but you were realistic and objective. You're like, yes, this team will be like top four in the East. At best, they'll make it to the Easter Conference Finals. Now at best, they can win the whole thing. More people are realizing this. But again, they're still another piece away from doing so. And they're still, to win the championship, they're 25 to 1 now. I think they're like 30 even, I think they're 30 to 1 in some spots. I'm not telling you to bet them to win the championship or even the East. You could, I, I'm not going to tell you not to. They're plus 175 to win the Central. The Bucks minus 215. Maybe that's a little bit more plausible here. But in terms of value, to Rosen with MVP could be plausible. I think it could be. Billy Donovan, coach of the year. They're putting Steve Kerr up there. Look, I I know I might be on an island here. Some people agree, some people don't. Steve Kerr, I am not convinced that he's as great of a coach as everybody thinks he is. Yes, because of how he's dealing with these players, but also at the same time, you give me Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, I'm sure I could have a very successful season. Draymond Green, probably just as good, if not better of a coach out there than Steve Kerr. You're saying, oh, look how good they're doing, though. They're missing Clay. You still have Steph freaking Curry. Andrew Wiggins, why are you knocking him down? He's a solid player. Draymond Green's still facilitating out there. Regardless, I don't think he should be plus 250. JB Bickerstaff makes sense. Three to one. Monty Williams plus 350. He's not going to come through this year. Spolstra, probably not. But Billy Donovan, six to one. If the Bulls somehow win the East, because there's still so much time to go and he still have the likes of the Bucks and the Nets and the Heat competing, then he's winning coach of the year, plain and simple. 100%. I think he gets it over Golden State. Look where Golden State's come from. When's the last time the Bulls have won a championship? Exactly. What about Golden State? Yep, recently with similar players. And if they're getting Klay Thompson back, like you had to build this Bulls team. You had to pick apart within the last year. The Warriors, no, not necessarily. They just need to get healthy. But those are some real things that could come to fruition. But DeRozan has been magnificent. And I think it could keep up tonight against the Magic. Let's talk about this game a little bit. Bulls, I believe, open like 11 and a half, somewhere around there. They're getting all the love. Home game here after their little road trip. 13 and a half point favorite right now at Bed Rivers. Look, I'm not touching a 13 and a half. Hate laying high spreads. Probably bet that before I take it with the Magic, but still way too high. Total's actually coming down. It went up to like 221 and a half. Now you're seeing 221. I'm a little bit scared of betting the full game total over because I don't think you can trust the magic to do enough to get you there. You're getting Alonzo Ball back, which is fantastic, but in terms of betting the over, maybe not because he's a great defensive presence and the magic are brutal offensively, right? You can't trust them to produce. They only scored 88 the last time against the Bulls. Chicago scored 123 themselves. So if the over was 221, they wouldn't have gone over, right? 
But where you can bet the total over is the Bulls team total, 117 and a half. Minus 121 is what I bet. Bulls now averaging 111 points per game this season. The Magic ranked 27th in defensive efficiency. Magic have allowed 12 opponents over this mark in their last two out of three opponents. Bulls have gone over this in 11 games in the last four out of six. The Bulls also rank third in offensive efficiency as of this point. How the hell about it? Now, they've also gone over this team total and the game total. It's been correlated. They've done that in every game but two. And one of them was, you guessed it, against the Magic. So instead of betting the full game over, I think if you want to still see a lot of points or thinking there's going to be a lot of points... Bank on it being with Chicago with all this offensive momentum back at home against a crap defensive team in the Magic and look for the Bulls team total over 117 and a half. That's the play I got tonight for the Bulls and the Magic. Now, of course, as I always preach, you could wait for the in-game betting perspective with the spread because it's a high one. But more importantly, if this total, which it's actually kind of trending downward because you can't trust the Magic, wait to see if you get a better total. Wait to see if you get a better spot overall in this game that you can attack. There's nothing wrong with always using that as your philosophy. The NBA is such a volatile game. And there are so many different ways you can approach it. And in-game betting absolutely is a live one. So... I think that's your best approach if you're not doing anything pre-flop. But if you are doing pre-flop, the bet I'm rolling with, Bulls team total over 117 and a half minus 121 against the Magic. All right, guys, my voice is about to get lost here, and I still got to prepare for rush hour tonight. So if, if you wouldn't mind, uh, I'm going to head out here. But as always, appreciate it. If you like and subscribe, rate the podcast, follow me on Twitter at DannyBurke5 and my show Rush Hour, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, VEASAN.com and the VEASAN app. It's a great time to be alive for a Chicago sports fan right now. No, we're not getting the playoffs for the Bears, but at least they got a couple dubs, and we got some miraculous dubs out of this Bulls team and hopefully we get a high-powered offensive performance out of them tonight against the Magic. Best of luck. Take care. We'll see you in the next episode of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.